You are listening to Crosstalk. A safe place to discuss addiction, recovery, harm reduction, and everything in between. Support for this podcast comes from the Kentucky Opioid Response Effort and Advocates of Recovery. Content and production by the team at Turning Point Recovery Community Center. Now, buckle up and get ready for the show. Welcome everyone to Crosstalk Recovery, the recovery podcast that supports all forms of recovery. I'm Matt Lewis, and I'm here with Michelle Fonda, Logan McFarlane. Hey guys, welcome. Um, Today we're welcoming Logan for the first time on the podcast. He's one of our new employees at Turning Point. We always like to try to get him on. Sometimes it takes longer to get some on than others. They they are shy about this. We finally got Logan on after begging and pleading (laughs) for weeks. Um, But we like to have you on just because, you know, to tell a little about your story, what... uh, Got you into recovery. I know you went through Centerpoint like I did. And, you know, what got you there? What changed while you were there? And what made you ultimately want to continue working in recovery and give back and come work with us at Turning Point? Well, um, obviously, it started out when I was younger, um, probably mid-teens, that I got really hard into drugs. Um, I do believe I used it as a coping mechanism at one time to just handle the feelings that I was feeling. I was going through a hard breakup and stuff, and drugs were abundant. I come from a family that, you know, wasn't the best, Um, a lot of drug dealing and whatnot, and I really had no parental supervision, so it just led down the wrong path. My drug use led me into homelessness and uh, broken relationships and just, you know, a life that I no longer wanted to live. And um, after many trips to jail and uh, mental institutions, I finally ended up at a rehab reluctantly. Um, I obviously did not want to go. I don't think many people, when they first get there, are just like, yay, I'm ready (laughs) to be here. Um, Especially when they started to talk about God and whatnot. I've never had a concept of a higher power or God in my life that I can ever remember. I thought it was going to be one of those situations, and I was like, I'm not ready for this. Like, I'm not ready for anything to be pushed onto me that I don't want to do. But after being there for a little while, I realized, you know, um, AA is a very open program, and it's very... um, there's no really set rules on a higher power or anything like that. So, and I heard a lot of people talking about willingness and whatnot. And, um, you know, I said, why not give it a try? Everything else I've tried in my life has failed horribly. So why not just give this a shot, give this a chance. So I've really sat down and became willing, willing to, you know, do anything that they asked me to within reason, of course. And, um, I heard a lot of people say, you know, Uh, we're not going to do anything that's going to harm you. And I really took that into account. And I really started to try to believe in a power power greater than myself. And um, with a little time and a little patience and some willingness and some work on my part, um, I really held on to the program. I really saw, you know, people coming up there to give their leads and listening to other people and um, peer mentors up there, staff up there telling, you know, a little bit of their story. It really encouraged me to really open up and really, you know, find out who Logan was. For a long time, I never yeah. know who I, I never knew who I was. Uh, you know, I was just what everyone else wanted me to be around me, you know, to get what I needed, to get what I wanted. And um, it was a very humbling experience. It was a very amazing experience to have six months to sit down 
and look at myself, look at my life and decide that, you know, I didn't want that anymore. I was ready for something new. I was ready for, you know, um, all these opportunities that I heard could be, you know, laid at your feet with the help of a higher power and some work on your part. I wanted that. I've never had anything in my life, you know, and now I'm starting to have steady income. I'm starting to get an apartment on my own. And like, I never thought any of this would be possible. And it's just amazing what these programs and what, um, God has done for me. So. Yeah, I think uh, that's true for a lot of people that come into recovery, man. Uh, I know it was for me, just not knowing uh, who you really are. And you've been like masking it with drugs and alcohol for so long and trying to be what you thought everybody else wanted you to be. And, you know, you, you have to like fight through that and figure out first you have to try to love yourself and figure out what you actually like and be proud of that and not worry about what other people say or think about you, all while trying to better yourself and help someone else. Uh, you know, I came in with uh, resentment against God as well, and, you know, that was something I worked through, but it's only by the grace of God that I was able to complete that program, for me personally. Um, you know, uh, so I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know. Um, you came through, and then at some point you decided that you wanted to peer mentor like I did. What what was, made that decision for you or helped you make that decision? Okay, when it was first brought up to me, um, uh, some of my fellow peers and one of – my roommate was a peer mentor, and he told – he sat me down. He was like, do you ever think you would want to do anything like that? And I would say that was about three or four months in, and I was like, no, like, no, I'm ready to go out here and live my life and do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And um, then I had um, Alan sit me down, and he, you know, he asked me if I would ever think about being a peer mentor or what. And that's when I really sat down and thought about it, and I prayed about it. And um, I don't know, it was just one day one of my friends in center point just came up to me i was at a cafeteria at the table and he slapped down an application for a peer mentor and he was like you're gonna fill this out and turn it in and at least attempt to get some signatures and i was like okay why not and so i went around and whenever um staff was asking me you know questions on why i wanted to do it is when i really realized like this is something i want to do i want to I'm so grateful for the opportunity that Centerpoint gave me and the new mindset that Centerpoint gave me. Why wouldn't I want to help other people try to experience that or try to introduce that into their lives? And um, so that really was the, uh, the ultimate factor on me becoming a peer mentor. And once I got in there, I loved it. It was, like, amazing. I don't know why. I just felt like, you know, this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it gave my per it gave life purpose for once. And for so long, I felt like I had no purpose in life. And then there I was helping other people walk through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that ultimately decided for me to come apply for Turning Point. Um, with the help of my sponsor, he was like, you should really try to put in an application up there. I was like, okay, why not? And it wasn't but the next day that I got a phone call saying, would you like to come in for an interview? And I was like, is this really happening? <laughs> like, I didn't think they would call me, honestly. And um, I went through the interview process. And, you know, the night after that interview, I was laying in my bed and I was praying to God. And I was like, please, God, if this is what is meant for me, please let it be. And Next thing you knew, I was getting called on to sign hiring papers and whatnot. And I was like, 
this is where I'm supposed to be. And now that I'm here, I love it. I love my job. I love my coworkers. I love coming in every day, just having an opportunity. If it's just to help one person, then I've done my job for yeah. the day. So, yeah. So cool. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. I know that, like, you, while you were peer mentoring, you were coming down here and chairing one of our meetings for us, and I realized right away that, that uh, well, you were doing a way better job than the person who was before you, but, <laughs> you know, that you actually cared and you were actually having something to share and give back, and I was like, he would be a great fit down here. So when I heard you applied and got the job, I was excited for you, man. Um, and what meeting would that be, just to get a little? That's our LGBTQ meeting uh, <laughs> that you chair every Wednesday nights at 6 p.m., uh, <laughs> Michelle, what do you think about Logan? Oh, I love Logan. Um, You're not just saying that, are you? <laughs> no, like, I, whenever I was working at Centerpoint, I really got to know Logan. Um, I think we had a few talks, you know, um, quite a few probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, whenever I heard he, he was peer mentoring, I was like, wow, that's going to be so good for him, you know, to really be able to come out of himself and help others. And, you know, I've seen him grow from the time he got to Centerpoint and then while he was peer mentoring, coming to chair our meeting. And um, he was so excited. I was there whenever Brandon asked him to come chair the meeting. Right. And, um, uh, and I just seen it come over his house. He was like, who, me? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, was, he was so um, excited to do it. And, you know, he's been doing a great job. I've seen him grow. Um, it's been a really good experience, you know. Um, and that, you know, that step, tw- that step 12, giving back to Centerpoint, and that something happens, you know, whenever you're doing that service, working with another alcoholic, you know, you really become spiritually awakened. And I really believe that um, that willingness early on, you know, to do something different is opens the door to opportunities like, like this and just increasing, you know, your, your recovery or whatever, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's so cool. We'll be right back. Hey, y'all. Did you know it's illegal to own just one guinea pig in Switzerland because they get lonely? Here at Turning Point, we don't want you to ever be lonely either. That's why we're open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Always feel free to come hang with our friendly staff and don't forget your guinea pig. We're located at 415 Broadway Street, downtown Paducah. As a woman in recovery, I know how important having a fellowship of women has been for me. Come join us at the Women of Worth All Recovery Support Group here at Turning Point, 415 Broadway, Paducah, Kentucky, every Friday night at 6 p.m., where we discuss our personal experiences in recovery. Hope to see you there. Yeah, I totally agree. That's awesome. Welcome aboard, everybody. Logan. Uh, so, for the rest of the podcast, we're going to do something, you know, a little fun. We do, we, we chair meetings sometimes, and we do what we call a popsicle stick meeting, which for those of you listening who don't know, is we have uh, topics related to recovery written on popsicle sticks in a cup, and we'll pass it around at a meeting, and you'll draw it right before you share on whatever the topic written is. And I kind of like it because you don't know what you're going to talk about. You can't sit there and plan it out, wait for it to get around to you, and then, you know, just regurgitate something or say what someone else has already said. You have to, you know, I think God's more in a popsicle stick meeting because it comes right off the cuff uh, and comes from your heart. So we're going to do that and see if anybody has any something good to say. Uh, Michelle, we're going to let you go first. Yeah, I kind of thought so. (laughs) 
keep it simple. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I really like the topic, keep it simple. Um, I'm an overthinker, so um, whenever I try to uh, make things happen and, you know, uh, I remind myself, you know, like if I, to pray about it, give it to God, um, and just try not to overthink things and just know that everything's going to work out. You know, I like um, sometimes I have that magic magnifying mind where I like to think things are bigger than what they are and keep it simple helps me reel things back in and just like it's, it's okay. I just don't got to drink and drug and it's all going to work out. And, you know, it reminds me of um, to think about all the, the, the cliches we hear, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And it's just, it reminds me to reel it back in and just know that everything's going to be okay, you know. Um, and to use the tools that that's been given to me because recovery, it's not, um, it's it's not that. I mean, it is hard at first, you know, but it's not that complex, you know. It's really simple. Yeah, yeah I just, think a lot of people overcomplicate it. Yeah, you know? it's like I, just pray and meditate, call on people, ask for for help, use your support, and keep it simple. Helps me to reel things back in. So I know that my magic magnifying mind will overcomplicate any situation so quickly. So I'm like, it's going 90 to nothing up there. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I yeah. don't have to do this. Like, yeah. it's, it, it happens so fast. But, you know, from the tools that I've learned throughout this program that I can reel it back in rather mm-hmm. quickly these days than keep it going on and on and on. So, yeah, that is truly important. All right. What do you got, Logan? Let's see what you're going to draw. I just love that noise. (laughs) God conscience. Well, that is definitely something that has had to be um, acquired over a period of time because definitely before I found recovery, I had no God conscience. Um, It was all my will, my whatever I wanted to do is what was going to be done within reason, of course, but... um, you know, developing a God conscience, um, definitely going through center points would help develop my God conscience. It has made my life, you know, so much more simpler, so much more, you know, um, feel it feels correct these days. You know, mm-hmm. like whenever I do something, yeah. even, even you know, get a little snarky with somebody or something, then I'm like, oh, my gosh, did I really just do that? When before, I wouldn't have cared, you know, like, or, you know, just, like, not holding the door open for somebody. It's something as simple as that. I feel genuinely bad about it. So I know that's definitely um, that God conscience that I've developed over a period of time. And, um, you know, I'm glad. Like, I've it makes my day go so much better knowing that I'm a better person than I used to be. And without God, that... I mean, that just wouldn't be possible. Uh, so I know it, t- it takes time. It definitely takes time. It's not anything you're going to develop overnight. But, um, and no one's perfect, you know, right. progress, not perfection. So, but as long as I practice having a God conscience every day, um, just that, that day becomes so much more simpler. Yeah. And when you're like, through working the steps and the spiritual principles behind the steps, and as you start to try to live by those spiritual principles, then, you know, your God conscience becomes stronger. Like, just for example, I can't even accidentally drop a piece of trash now without feeling terrible about it and having to go back and pick it up. And that's just on the smallest level to the grandest things of trying of hurting someone's feelings or any of that stuff is absolutely out of the question today. Because now I actually care about other people, not just myself, primarily about other people more than myself. Uh, and and that's where that's where my God conscience comes into effect. All right, I'll draw one here. Let's see what I get. Meditation. 
Oh, man. Meditation is something that I absolutely love today, and it means so many different things to me. Um, you know, it started simply like we have the morning meditation at center point was my like introduction to it. And, you know, you hear meditation and you think, you know, someone cross legged <laughs> and, you know, hum, 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 or whatever. Um, that's not what it is for me. For me, my, I, and I do it every morning. My morning meditation is I get on my knees and I pray. And then I read my Bible in the big book and I journal I also consider meditation when I'm riding my bike, listening to music, or when I'm at the gym, or when I'm uh, doing anything where I can be quiet in my mind and just enjoy either nature or my surroundings and be at peace. Um, I consider that meditation, and I don't have to make weird noises. And if that's what helps you, you know, some people enjoy that kind of meditation. I actually want to start doing yoga, and that I would consider that definitely a form of meditation. But my primary meditation is my morning meditation that I do with myself. And I enjoy when I work mornings here at Turning Point because we have a morning meditation every morning at 8 a.m. Uh, <laughs> you know, where we read all the readings and share gratitude. And I, I like it when I work more, so I get to participate in that, too. So, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So I think for me, like, meditations where I just take time out of my day to intentionally connect with God, you know, to ask for his guidance and his direction. And um, whenever I skip that, like, my whole entire morning is off, like, if I accidentally oversleep or anything like that. And then even if I do, I try to, like, connect with him in the car, you know. Um, You know, I listen to, like, K-Love a lot. And that just kind of just reels me in to, like, you know, just reflect on God and what he's done in my life to, you know, throw some gratitude out, out there to him, you know. Um, and I think it, it's just that intentional, you know, and just intentionally trying to connect and, you know, come out of yourself just a little bit, you know. Um, that's what meditation is for me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Michelle, draw another one. Baffling. <laughs> <laughs> Cunning, baffling, powerful. powerful. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, well, I know, I know that Michelle is either baffled or constantly baffling me <laughs> with for how sure. excited she is all the time. Thanks, Matt, um, for throwing me under the bus on the podcast. <laughs> now, yeah, baffling, you know, that's just our disease, um, you know, how fast it can creep in on us without us even knowing, you know, and I think that's yeah. why we got to stay armored. You know, it's we have to put in that work. We have to put in that action every single day. Um, I heard once every single day I wake up with untreated alcoholism, and I was like, wow, that's yes. so freaking true. And just kind of just puts it out there as how powerful and how like it can just hit you from nowhere you know if I'm alone in my head for too long it just creeps in I'm like what is going on you know and it's just I think that's where the baffling comes in it's just right there lurking just waiting you know for you to slip up and forget to pray and meditate or you know forget to use your tools or um, you know to think about somebody or to always be thinking about yourself instead of working with others you know yeah, and until you, like, once you learn that, it's not as baffling because you can kind of, like, see when that's coming up. You yeah. can notice it and address it quickly, but when you don't understand it, that's the baffling, is, yeah. you know. We'll so. be right back. Hello, everybody. You want to know something? My biggest issue with meetings is despite their name, they're never about me. 
Here at Turning Point, all of our meetings are for you and about you. We have meetings at least three times a day, seven days a week. We are located at 415 Broadway, Paducah, Kentucky. Call 270-444-3621 for more information. Did you know that recovery from substance use disorder and mental health go hand in hand? That is why the caring and compassionate mental health professionals at Four Rivers Behavioral Health in Paducah are here to help you find your balance. They are proud of you for making the changes necessary to live a healthier life and would love to see you reach your full potential. Give them a call at 270-442-7121 or stop by the downtown location at 425 Broadway in Paducah, Kentucky. Here you go, Logan. Your turn. Hmm. Acceptance. Mm-hmm. Why does this keep popping up in my life? <laughs> um, acceptance is very vital. It's very important. And um, I've come to realize that it's not as easy for some people as it is for myself. Um, I've always considered myself not a grudge holder and um, been able to progressively move on from things Um okay i mean like i haven't i've just never had a trouble like accepting my past what i've done you know i know i did it and um it's there and there's no coming back from it i mean there's no changing the past um all i can do now is be a better person today and you know um prove to people i may have caused harm to in my life that you know i'm a different person people do change and um, whether they want to accept that or not, um, that's on them. All I know is that I can only control myself today, mm-hmm. and um, I have to be accepting of what comes. Um, you know, you hear that term, life on life terms, mm-hmm. and it will come up, and I have to accept that. Um, now, am I perfect at it? By no means, no means at all, because mm-hmm. there are some things in my life that I still want to try to control, and um, I just... You know, some days are easier than others, and some days I'm more accepting of it, and other days I'm not. And you guys know I'm a crybaby, and I'll sit there and cry for a little while, and then I'll be okay. So, like, um, life goes on. Um, But accepting, I know for some people, they struggle with it. Um, You know, I hear it in the rooms and stuff, and it it puts, you know, a soft spot on my heart for those people because I wish that so badly that they could have what I have on Mm -hmm. acceptance and you know especially when it comes to the past being able to accept things that we have done because we were none of us were you know saints out there Mm -hmm. or I know for myself (laughs) I wasn't so and you know um, it causes that wreckage of your past and some people don't have it in them to forgive you for what you've done and you know you it's you just have to learn to accept it and move on with life Um, some maybe one day they'll come around but until then, you know, you can't let it bring you back further. You it's know, dark. you can't let it cause any um, hold on your progress in life and bettering yourself. So, yeah. yeah. I think for me, um, like working the 12 steps um, and taking that time out at, um, at, at Trilogy to, you know, learn the big book and to, to just take that time that I was there to totally take a look at myself and reflect and learn the things that I learned, you know, um, and know that nothing in God's world happens by mistake, you know, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today, you know, and I do get disturbed over some things, you know, but it don't last long. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't take my serenity 
and hold on to it. You know, I might have like little moments um, to where it's hard for me to accept those things and come to terms with them, but I'm able to. And that's because I was given the opportunity to go to, to rehab. And, um, and I have worked the 12 steps. And I think maybe the ones who haven't had that opportunity to get a sponsor and to work the 12 steps and to really take a look at themselves probably struggle with it a little bit more. And, you know, the three of us were lucky. You know, not everybody gets to go to treatment. You know, um, we were very blessed and, um, you know, to have that knowledge given to us and, you know, knowing that nothing happens in God's world by mistake um, and everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be kind of is is freeing to know that, you know, and not everybody and not everybody knows that. And I'm really blessed to know that um, God's in control and I don't have to make things happen today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I know, like, coming through the program, acceptance, like, because, you know, like you said, was it 417, yeah. page 417, acceptance is the answer to all our problems today. And, you know, anytime anything was going bad for anybody, you, you just, acceptance, you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, you get upset because you're like, you don't want to accept everything. But uh, I saw a meme the other day that I thought was funny. It was, like, describing, supposed to describe acceptance, and it said, uh, not acceptance, you know, it's raining today. And you're like, oh, this sucks, it's raining, why is it always raining? You know, just everything you complain about, rainy day, it's always raining on my day off, blah, blah, blah. And acceptance would be like, yep, <laughs> it's like, it's raining. You know, what are you sure going to do about it? Because it really comes down to, you know, we're powerless over a lot of things. And, you know, we have to accept the way people act, the way people treat us, the way things go in, in the world. We can't do something about everything, but that there are things we can do something about. And that. You know, there is, I, I did have an argument with about, like, is acceptance really the answer to all our problems today? Because there's still some things in the world that I just can't accept. You know, I have to accept that they exist, mm-hmm. but I don't have to like them. And, you know, and I can try to do what I can to help people that are in these situations. But, uh, you know, I think that ultimately it, it, acceptance goes back to, like, kind of like keeping it simple, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just... There's only so much you can do, and you can't worry about certain things. You can't control a lot of things, and so just accepting it gives you a sense of peace that allows you to, you know, continue working your program and not let things affect you so negatively to possibly drive you back out. So, uh, let me go. I got emotional sobriety. Emotional sobriety, man, that was... One of the, I might have talked about it on here before, one of the first lessons I learned uh, after graduating the program was, you know, I was letting things affect me that, you know, I was still, like, setting expectations on things around me and letting them affect me negatively and getting in my head about them and getting emotional about them instead of just accepting them or giving it to God or, you know, trusting the process or all the things we're supposed to do. And that's where emotional sobriety comes in. Really, that, that's the thing that you'll, you'll be emotionally drunk before uh, Michelle's alarm's going off. Uh, you'll be emotionally drunk before you actually get drunk almost every time. You know, you, you'll let things get to you to the point that you're, you're saying screw it everything that you've worked for to that point so i think maintaining your emotional sobriety is extremely important and you do that by by staying connected and when you're dealing with something talking to someone about it uh, a close friend your sponsor you know like that's how you c- 
because things are going to affect us, and sometimes it's hard to stop that knee-jerk reaction that we have to different things going on in our lives right away, and, can, and especially when we've behaving, been behaving this way for so long. But it takes work, and it, stay, it takes staying connected and having people that you can count on and going to meetings and all those things. So, um, yeah, emotional sobriety is a big one. I but, think... Oh, sorry, I was going to just touch base on the emotional sobriety. Um, so I've learned what triggers, you know, um, what what triggers certain emotions and like what thoughts can um, jeopardize my emotional sobriety. And I think that's one thing that emo or that sobriety's given me is learning these different things about myself that you know that drugs mask. You know, I didn't understand my different emotions and all of that so i've really dug deep into it because i'm a very emotional creature Mm -hmm. you know i I cry real easy um i used to get mad real easy and it's it's like i've learned to if a person in in my life um is just real triggering you know real negative i've learned to just to place that boundary and accept them for who they are and like you know what they don't get access to my life because they're jeopardizing my emotional sobriety and you know and I'm allowing them to make me feel this way you know because I have that power of choice who I allow in my life because I no longer need and rely on you know certain people financially I feel like we were talking about this the other yeah. day <laughs> you know and it's it's so freeing um learning what triggers certain emotions and learning to place that boundary man i'm telling you like that emotional sobriety um and i'm at peace with my life now and it's so amazing because that's what i lacked um in my addiction and before my addiction was that emotional sobriety and, and i value it today you know some people don't get access to me no more <laughs> <laughs> all right well great this was fun um you know we uh um, Logan, welcome aboard. You know, glad you Thank finally you. came on. I think so you did way better than Evan, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you leave that poor baby alone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, check us out on YouTube uh, or, or our audio version on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, Google, and stay grateful. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or in recovery and needs guidance. Speak with Turning Point's team of peer support specialists by calling 270-444-3621. You are not alone, and we are proof that recovery is possible.